0: Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for another glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. Your humble host, Michael Shibley, with you here, and of course, in the middle of this beautiful college football season. Well, maybe not so beautiful for Tennessee fans, and we're going to dive into that in a minute, but I've got my good buddy Trey Pack with me. Trey, say hello to the fine people.
1: Uh, buddy, you you nailed it. It's been such a weird season, and it keeps getting weirder and worse. Uh, for me and you, buddy. But I am happy to be here as always. Uh, Ab- we'll, we'll we'll dive into the sadness here in a little bit.
0: Yeah, because I mean, also you look at everything else going on. The Big Ten season is starting this week coming up, so it's been just weird. Tennessee's already played four games. More, te- some teams have played even more than that—five or six. And the Big Ten's just getting started. This is just definitely a season we will always remember, no matter the outcome of what Tennessee's overall record is going to be. And remember the uh, first episode that we did for this podcast after Tennessee defeated South Carolina was feeling fine, is what we called it. Because, you know, we're feeling good. We're 1-0 for the first time under Coach Pruitt, and things are looking up. Uh, but then, after Tennessee loses thirty-four to seven to Kentucky to move their record to two and two for probably the worst loss, and we'll argue about this in a second. If this is the worst home loss in Tennessee history, uh, this week's episode titled "Not Feeling Fine Anymore." <laughs> so, again, Tennessee having the worst loss, I think, against Kentucky since a twenty-seven to nothing beatdown in nineteen thirty-five when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was in just his, his first term as president. That's how long that's been. Uh, it was it was not good for the orange and white on a day in Neyland Stadium.
1: Yeah, man. I, I think, again, Shibble, you nailed it. Because the 41 nothing loss, that wasn't to Georgia here recently. That wasn't in Neyland. Was it in Neyland?
0: No, that was in Neyland. Was, but yeah, Georgia I, was really good, and this is not the best Kentucky team we've ever seen.
1: No, for sure. I mean, I do think, you know, the shutout definitely uh, – the shutout against Georgia definitely hurt. Um, I mean, the Georgia State game last year, man, was arguably uh, – was definitely up there, man. But uh, I saw the best tweet um, of the entire weekend. And it said, losing to Kentucky gets you fired. So, that that's what I'll have to say about this game.
0: Yeah, and – whew, it's it's a mess. Tennessee, again, it was not a good... It it started out fine. The defense was playing okay, but then Tennessee gets into these possessions. You you force Kentucky to punt. Tennessee's got a punt. And then there's a fumble that Tennessee recovers. And then Tennessee fumbles the ball and gets it right back, but Kentucky punts again. And then it all goes downhill as Garantano throws two straight pick sixes both pretty much on throws that he should not have made i, I mean you you're not even just there's just bad throws to go down quickly 14 nothing and then Tennessee puts in JT Shrout just to stop the bleeding and and kind of reset everybody and then he throws an interception so Tennessee finds itself in a 17 to nothing hole very quickly. And it would just, it was just bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, I think we ran the ball very, very well um, for the rest of the first half after that. But it was one of those things, man. It, it's not single a Tennessee high school football. Like we couldn't have gotten the wing T and ran the ball every play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they did adjust. There was just nothing we could do with them, man. I, I so we apparently Maurer had there were rumors coming out that he was transferring. And from my understanding, that's why he didn't even get a shot Saturday, um, which just makes absolutely no sense to me to go for Garantano to throw two pick sixes back to back, Shroud throws an interception, and, and then to go back to Garantano is insanity. It, like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, to not even to not give Harrison Bailey even a look until the fourth quarter you know even if Mauer is, is is had said something about transferring you got to put somebody in the game uh but having three straight uh possessions with with turnovers uh, I mean as much as I want to blame it on Garantano, because you know that is my favorite thing to do of course. Uh, at what point do we start looking at a quarterback coach or, or an offensive coordinator or, dare I say it, a head coach um, to not have developed a, another option that when Garantano throws two picks in 12 minutes, we go to a backup for one
0: drive and then have to go back to him? It is just, I've never seen anything like it. It it was odd. It just seems like, and again, it it's the argument that it seems like Coach Pruitt loves to put out there is that he still believes that Garantano gives us the best opportunity to win the game, even though I do think you've got to try something else because what you're doing isn't working, and it's something you look at, and it just seems like Tennessee almost... Pruitt has recruited very well everywhere else overall, and we can talk about the lack of effort in the second half here in a minute, but it just seemed like it just seems like the quarterback position we just haven't excelled at enough that none of these people, Bailey, Maurer, Schrout, any of them have been able to jump up and take that starting position away from Garantano. And I think that's where we're running into it, because if you stick with Garantano, you just can't have him there as he's gotta be a Trent Dilfer type game manager. You can't have him be the guy who's gonna be the only thing out there winning the game. And Tennessee was able to run the ball. I mean, they got the ball after it was down 17-0. They marched right down the field and scored a touchdown to get it 17-7. And you felt like, okay, we're going to make some sort of swing. But then that just didn't happen. There was just no effort, it felt like, after that. And you, you could see it overall because Tennessee just didn't put... They came out of the second half and... They got the ball to start the second half. So you're like, okay, we've got a good shot here to put. If you put another touchdown on the board, and you're only down three. It's a ball game at that point. But yeah. Tennessee does nothing, and then Kentucky just goes right down the field and scores. And at that point, it's pretty much game over.
1: Yep. I mean, yeah, you absolutely nailed it again, brother. You're on fire today. Uh, yeah, man. I have my moments. Oh, yeah. man, they—the lack of effort is extremely frustrating. Um, from a fan's perspective, and even as a former player, man. I mean, I never played for the University of Tennessee by any means. But, I mean, there there was never a time in my life that when I ran out on the field, we could be down 100 to nothing. Uh, and, you know, I still had reasons to play. Um, but, yeah, the lack of effort is, is alarming, to say the least. But to touch on a, something you said a second ago, man, Garantano is not uh, a Trent dilfer type game manager. No, he's just not. So, there's if, if we're still saying, and as far as I know, uh, from what I've heard, is that Garantano is going to be starting this Saturday. Um, if he is giving us the best chance to win, then we need to hire a different coaching staff. <laughs> there's no way. And I've I've tweeted this. I don't think I've said this yet on on the podcast. But I will go down in, in, you know, a blazing fury saying this. I think Jared Garantano is the worst multi-year starter in program history. Uh, Maybe in SEC history. I feel Hmm. like every other team in America would have made a change going into this year. This kid has proved over and over and over again last year that he he's a closer. He he's not a starting pitcher. Bring him in off the bench. Uh and, and that's when you're the most successful. And we talked about it last year. That's not a recipe for long-term success. But we're in the middle of the weirdest college football season in the world. You have a formula that it has proven to win you ball games. L- this, like Al Davis said,
0: just win, baby. You got to do what yeah. works. No, you're not wrong. Uh, I mean, of course, you could argue if you're talking about some of the worst starters in recent memory from Tennessee. You could, I mean, you could talk about Crompton. Of course, a lot of that was also on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you could talk about uh, Sims and all those different things, in, at least in recent memory. But I don't think people have been as frustrated with any of those guys compared to what Garantano has done in his time here. And that's... That's really the tough thing. And that's what's frustrating. But again, you you mentioned Alabama. Maybe you, personally, I'm not going to throw Harrison Bailey, for example, out there against Alabama. I'm just not going to do that. Maybe later in the game, maybe, or you do almost what you did in the middle of last season, where you have some other quarterback. Come in, maybe shroud, maybe you put Bailey in for the first snap, and then you put Garantano back in to keep the boo Birds down a little bit. Maybe that's your strategy, I don't know,
1: yeah, man i uh, it again, it blows you know how much of a malware guy I am,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um not transferring. I have no idea why the kid's not getting a look um but I mean we'll get into we'll get into our our predictions for the game later, but uh, I don't know, man. Alabama, it, it, in my humble opinion, is the best team in college football as long as Saban's there. I don't see that changing anytime soon. But if we, if Tennessee as a football program and Tennessee's coaching staff as a coaching staff are not getting prepared for this Saturday's game with a win in mind that I don't want them to come out of the I don't want them to come out of the tunnel. Yeah. Stay home.
0: Yeah. We will yeah, we will definitely see Neyland Stadium. It's going to be interesting. 3.30 on CBS next week. Uh, and you, speaking of Alabama, they took care of business. And it was one of those performances that I didn't fully see coming from them, even though I shouldn't doubt it at this point with Nick Saban, whether he was going to be on the field or not. I picked Georgia to win that game. I thought their defense was going to be more than what it was, but uh, Mac Jones and the Alabama Crimson Tide just ran over the Georgia Bulldogs, especially in that second half, winning 41-24, to with Jones throwing for 417 yards and four touchdowns, which was one of the most impressive quarterback performances that I've seen from Alabama, and that's after watching Tua for the last few years, too.
1: Yeah, man, I, I definitely think that people uh, are putting Mac Jones um, in that same just game manager category that Alabama was pumping out for years um, through those guys. And, and then, you know, they ended up with a dynamic guy like Tua. Uh, but he's a player, man. I, I really think he he's di- – again, Alabama's the best team in football, and they've got arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, Saban just reloaded again you know what i mean it's uh the the way alabama played in that game um just so impressive to see what georgia's defense did to us the week before yes um it just really shows you the the level um because again we we you know we beat south carolina not handily we beat missouri with no issue and then georgia comes out and just Puts a whooping on us, especially defensively, and then Alabama, you know, cuts through them like a hot knife through butter. So I mean, it's it's impressive to watch.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things and we I think talked about this last year on this fine program with under a different name, obviously, but we we talked about this where. I hate this idea, and it's this stupid. It's a stupid idea where it's like, well, if this team runs the table, and it's like, we can't just assume that anymore, especially in a crazy year like this. We can't just assume because everybody's just like, well, if Alabama runs the table, you know they're in, and I'm like, of course they're in the college football playoffs and the championship. But I get they're looking at the schedule up ahead people keep saying, well, I just don't see where Alabama is going to lose a game before they get to the sec championship. And then even if they lose that, they're probably in, it's like, we just don't know that. What if we get the greatest Garantano performance? I don't think it's going to happen, but what if you get that and Tennessee somehow beats Alabama next week or, you know, Auburn rises up to the occasion like they are wont to do, or the fact that Arkansas is actually showing some signs of life and might not be as bad as everybody thought, Going into the year, I hate this idea. That's like, oh nope, Alabama's just in at this point. Just crown them now.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. I understand your point of view. First off, to, to to take one note of something of something you said, if Garantano wins us this game Saturday, I will literally eat my boots. <laughs> okay. uh, that, now that's not to say that's not. Don't take that out of context. Like that's my prediction. Mm. We'll get to that at the end uh but with that being said you're absolutely right man i i mean I, you, it's such a weird year i know that it's it's a cliche at this point to say that but it is um but buddy alabama is real good <laughs> they look and, really
0: good and also i mean you talk about some other teams that look really good we'll have to see how some of these teams shake out in the you know the group of 5 conferences but smu and byu both took care of business on Friday night. They're both still undefeated, and they're fun to watch. They're Again, their schedules, who knows how well they're go- all going to be able to keep it going in some of these smaller conferences, but they've been a lot of fun to watch. But then you have Clemson. I mean, yes, Alabama looks great, but what Clemson did to Georgia Tech was just – that. that's just – inhuman what well, they ended up doing to Georgia Tech winning 73-7. to seven. That was just – oh, my God. That was cruel and unusual punishment. That was an Eighth Amendment violation right there.
1: Yeah, man. I, it was I, – I watched the highlights of the game. It makes me so, so sad because watching the – watching f- football Jesus throw, you know, he, what do you have, five touchdowns, four touchdowns? Something like – yeah. Just just had the game of his life in the wrong orange and white. Yep. He wanted to be here. And yep. And we could have had Trevor Lawrence. That's cruel and unusual punishment.
0: It man. is. It's, it's just salt in the wound, man.
1: There was a picture that came out recently of, uh, I think ESPN tweeted it, and it's of Trevor Lawrence in an orange and white jersey at a football game. Yep. And I guess they assumed it was a Clemson jersey, but nope, my man is in Neyland Stadium. Yep, as a child, he wanted to come here. Yeah, it's, I, I okay. I thought when we hired Fulmer, we carried Madam Zeroni back up the mountain. Uh, but I don't know what else it is we need to do to to end this curse. But that's what it feels like.
0: Yeah, we we will have to see one of these days. We'll just devote a whole program to all the players that have gone on to do great things that wanted to go to Tennessee and didn't, especially after Fulmer was fired. So that, that's a whole show in and of itself. My goodness. But moving on, you look at some of the other things, at least that happened in the top 25, South Carolina going up and beating Auburn for the first time, I think since also the, uh, the Roosevelt administration, the FDR administration, uh, bravo to them finally beat... Now, again, they don't play Auburn every year. It's the cross, you know, SEC East versus SEC West. But South Carolina looked really good beating Auburn. And again, the Gus bus has blown another flat tire at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, Auburn Auburn definitely... I feel like we're talk- having the same conversation every year.
0: Yep. Um,
1: I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle with Cam Newton, and they have rode. That same hype train, or that like, you know that Gus Bus, uh, every year since then, and, and it's just, I don't know. They're definitely not the same program, and they've beat Alabama since then. I get it. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean South Carolina again. If we can beat you, then <laughs> then it, it's it, it's it's got to be bad.
0: Yeah, I agree. Meanwhile, you've got, and again, we'll we'll see what happens. We play. I think it's at Auburn after the bye week and everything, so we'll come up to that here at some point. Notre Dame struggled against Louisville, but hey, in a season like this, just winning a game, even if it was 12-7, to you still won the damn football game, and that's really all that matters in a season like this.
1: Yeah, like I said, Al Davis, buddy, just win, baby. Mm-hmm.
0: You look at a team, this is a team that I think at this point might be sneaking a little bit under the radar. We'll see if they can make an impact come playoff time because the schedule sets up for it. We'll have to see. It's Texas A&M. They beat up Mississippi State 28-14 in Starkville. The Cowbells have gone very quiet. But then you look, and all of a sudden you've got Texas A&M the next few weeks. They're home against Arkansas, which has proven better than they have been. We'll get to them in a second. Then they're at South Carolina. They're at Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn. I mean, those are all very winnable games there for Texas A&M. They could be standing at 9-1 and and looking at a really good position to get into the playoffs because I just don't see, at this point, Alabama losing. Of course, who knows with this year. But Texas A&M looking really good right now.
1: Yeah, I don't see how you keep a 9-1 A&M team out of the play. Obviously, we got to see how things shake out. Yeah, but under normal circumstances, I don't see how you keep a nine one A and M team with their one loss being to Alabama. Yeah, uh, who is like I have said several times, just this episode is the best team in college football. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm a big believer in winning your conference championship. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that necessarily has to be a prerequisite uh, for you getting into the playoffs, but it definitely helps. But if the conference champion that if you didn't make the conference championship because of Alabama, I think we'll give you a pass.
0: Yeah. That has proven to be true. We'll see again, a lot of football left to go. So I'm not definitely, but it's setting up very nicely for Texas A&M at this point. But again, they've proven even with Jimbo Fisher there, they've proven that they can gag a game or two that they should win up at this point. Uh, Speaking of gagging a game, Mac Brown, man, he had things going there at North Carolina, and then Florida State comes, and I think they ended up 31-7. to They were up, and then North Carolina came screaming back and just could not catch them as Florida State wins and finally gets a big win there for Mike Norvell, beating North Carolina 31-28. to
1: Yeah, and do you want to talk about uh... – How back, how not back Texas is. Mac Brown can't win
0: in North Carolina, bro. You know what I mean? He's never been able to beat Florida State ever. Yeah.
1: uh, And Florida State having, you know, one of their worst seasons in 20 years. uh, It's wild, man. And people were talking about North Carolina maybe contending with Clemson and the ACC. Uh,
0: I don't think so. Nope, not at this point that that was I had a hope that they might give him a game. I just don't know at this point. We'll again have to wait and see when that gets set up. Meanwhile, the other SEC game of note was Arkansas beating the lane train and seeing did you see on Twitter the uh the the nice troll job that Arkansas did to Ole Miss with the Thomas the tank engine yes. uh, troll job? uh yeah, I did. I loved it. Man,
1: and I'm the first person to, to you know, admit when I'm wrong. What a year Arkansas has happened so far. Yeah. Uh, I, I picked them to go 0-10 um, several times, man. Mm-hmm. And they've already,
0: you know, superseded my expectations. Um, I mean, they very well could be, again, they played Georgia tough for a half. And then, but, really, they should have beaten Auburn, with, not for that terrible call. That they exactly. had. So again, Arkansas, and that's not the guaranteed win that I thought it was going to be for Tennessee coming up on November seventh. So who boy! I mean, after the bye week, Tennessee's gonna have some handful. They're going to Fayetteville to face Woo Pig Suey.
1: Yeah, I definitely you know. Sam Pittman's got him. Uh, hey, offensive line coaches make good head coaches. We had one here in the nineties that did great. So I'm yep. a believer.
0: And uh, just to round things out, of course, with the SEC was the LSU-Florida game that got postponed. Uh, Also, Dan Mullen apparently contacted and has has COVID-19 at this point. So, again, when you are campaigning for all 90,000 people to show up at Florida Field, maybe worry about keeping everybody in your house not getting infected first and then worry about that, you know, just because you want the COVID-19 to go away doesn't mean it's going to go away.
1: Yeah, man, in this country, it seems that COVID loves irony. It It does.
0: It really does. Whew, boy. Anyway, moving on real quick, there's just a couple of other things before you get back and pick all the good college football uh, matches that we've got going on. You've got the World Series uh, kicked off. Uh, It's kicking off right now as we are recording the uh, Tampa Bay Rays avoiding a historic collapse that only the Yankees did with the Red Sox in 2004, where the Rays were up 3-0 on the Astros. The Astros were able to force that Game 7, but the Rays held them off, which is good because I did not want those cheating Astros to be in the World Series. That would have just annoyed me more than watching wrestling heels winning a title.
1: Yep. No, you, you yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, you know, me, man, I'm not the biggest baseball guy in the world, but if there's anything I hate, it's a cheater. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, much like Michigan, uh, I hope the Astros never win another game.
0: Yeah. I agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers have proven again a point, just like I always say with Texas not being back, it's the same thing with the Braves. Death taxes Braves gagging it in the playoffs they were up on the Dodgers three games to one and they could not close it losing in game seven Cody Bellinger with a blast of a home run to put the Dodgers up in that game but again yes and I'll make fun of the Braves choking all day long but the Dodgers went out and also won these games I mean Bellinger and Mookie Betts made some Absolutely amazing defensive plays out there, robbing home runs, it seemed like, almost every night. So the Dodgers earned it just as much as the Braves gagged it away.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, man. And as far as uh, World Series predictions, um, I think the Dodgers will keep
0: it rolling, and I think they win in five. I've got the Dodgers in seven. I think this one's going to go, seven games. The Rays, man, with just a low payroll, they have just... Unlike the Oakland A's, who seem to make it into the playoffs, the Rays at least seem to advance in the playoffs, unlike the A's with a very limited budget. And again, playing in a dump of a stadium. That stadium there, it's not even in Tampa. It's in St. Petersburg. It is a dump. It's terrible. Um, And it's really interesting. Both of these cities, Tampa... And Los Angeles could have multiple champions in this calendar year, as crazy as it's been because the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup and then the Lakers won the NBA championship. So one of these is going to have a double championship in their city, which will be kind of nice.
1: Yep, very cool. And not only that, man, I think if it goes uh, to Tampa Bay, then Buccaneers aren't looking too bad, even though they got old Sleepy Tom.
0: That is true. Speaking of that, that was a great segue, Trey. Uh, We're going to move... Right into the NFL. Uh, it was definitely the game of the day. It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers and the undefeated Packers taking on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers after Tom Brady couldn't remember what down it was uh, last Thursday. But the Buccaneers just rolled over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. 38-10. to Aaron Rodgers had one of the worst games I think he's ever had as a quarterback against that Buccaneer defense.
1: Yeah, the Buccaneers defense is stout. Um We've talked about game-managing quarterbacks all day long. I I don't know a better game manager in the game uh, than the six-time Super Bowl winner.
0: No, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, it's weird because Aaron Rodgers only threw for 160 yards, but he had two interceptions. Tom Brady only threw for 166 yards, but had two touchdowns. So there's the big difference in the game right there. Meanwhile, you look at some great things. The Titans going, they're undefeated. What a great game that was against the Texans. That was just an amazing overtime thriller game. My goodness. The Titans are almost playing throwback with Derrick Henry just running over people and then Tannehill making plays when he needs to but also not making the big mistake.
1: Yep, I think Tannehill. uh, Man, I grew up... Like most people, I could not stand the Titans. They were in the same division as the Colts. I think. Yeah. No. Yes. I, yeah. Okay. I was making sure I wasn't yeah. talking about my neck. They're in the same division as the Colts. The, Peyton Manning is all is the only real Tennessee that matters. Uh, so I grew up hating the Titans, man. But uh, since Peyton is retired, I have grown fond of them, and they have just been fun to watch, man. I, I think Tannehill. It, it, Unlike Garantano, Tannehill knows how to stay out of the way.
0: You are not wrong, man. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what the Titans are going to be able to do. I mean, sitting there in the Catbird seat at 5-0, that is really good to see. However, especially after coming through with all the COVID issues that they had. However, that game against the Steelers is coming up next week. The Steelers also at 5-0 and just destroyed – the Browns, which just made me feel good. With all the Browns people already just, again, ready to think that they're going to be something again, even though they haven't made the playoffs since 1999, that they were just ready to just win that division, even though the Steelers and the Ravens are still in that division. The Steelers just, again, proving that Ben Roethlisberger, some of his personal issues aside, is that you give me Ben Roethlisberger with Mike Tomlin and that just winning atmosphere that the Pittsburgh Steelers have had for generations, it's just amazing what they did. And just beating the Browns 38-7 to was just really nice.
1: Yeah, man, and you know I'm a Browns fan. Uh, I, always, I have been since Joe Thomas uh, back in the day. Right. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it was hard to watch is what I'll say about that one.
0: Yeah. I just know, I mean, you're not one that's always just been ready to do backflips and just be like, oh yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. You at least have at least expectations that are tapered to what, you you know, you need to do this in steps. You're not ready to be crowned champions in week one.
1: Oh, I do that with Tennessee enough that I don't have to do it with
0: them. Right, exactly. And speak, speaking of another team that everybody just is ready to crown champions, no matter what's been happening, it's the Dallas Cowboys who just delivered a... Terrible performance and got blown out last night on Monday Night Football, 38-10 to 10, by the Arizona Cardinals, who are looking better and better each week.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think Kyler Murray down there in Arizona is um, – I think that style of quarterback is the quarterback of the future, him and, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, I think we were on to something with Michael Vick years ago. Um, and, you know, he is an idiot, so it didn't necessarily work out. Um, but yeah, definitely the Arizona is gonna keep improving and keep getting better. But the Cowboys, my dad has is, is been a Cowboys fan his entire life. Um, I was a big Jason Witten guy. Definitely rooted for him for a long time. But they've been they've been abysmal uh, just for years. It seems like, but not even not even necessarily a bad. They they don't have bad seasons. They just always know how to let you down.
0: Yep. They do. I mean, again, my 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since Super Bowl 29. At least they've been to a couple since then. Probably should have won both of them, but that's a whole other story. The Cowboys haven't even been back to the Super Bowl since 30. They haven't even reached the NFC Championship game since they last won the Super Bowl at Super Bowl 30. So I
1: was about to say, how many playoff games have they won since Super Bowl 30? It's not not many.
0: many. Not many. <laughs> so... You have all of that. Uh, Meanwhile, in the world of professional wrestling, nothing spectacular really going on. Um, In New Japan, one of my all-time favorite places to watch, the G1 Climax, which is just wrestling perfection. The tournament they do every year, it's a round-robin tournament. It was won again by one of my favorite wrestlers, Kota Ibushi. Uh, Many of you here in the U.S. know him from being in the Cruiserweight Classic back on the WWE Network a few years ago. But he's been in New Japan. He won the G1 Climax, which gives him the chance at a championship opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom, which they have every year, January 4th, in the Tokyo Dome. And because, again, Japan has done a lot better with COVID than we have here in the U.S., it looks like those shows are on, again, with limited seating capacity. But they're still going to have those matches in the Tokyo Dome, which is just amazing. The stories they can tell in all of these matches that they have in this round-robin tournament for the G1 Climax, it's just one of my favorite things in wrestling to watch every year.
1: Yeah, man, I, I didn't get introduced to, to new Japan or like Japanese wrestling at all um, until much later in life. Yeah. Really in the past two or three years. Um, so getting caught up on that, man, you're absolutely right. It's definitely, the wrestling is definitely different. You know what I mean? It's not the, uh, definitely more technical. I would say. Yeah. Uh, if You would agree. Yes. But, um, but definitely great storytelling, uh, great, you know, just wrestlers overall. Uh, but I'm definitely excited to see those matches in the Tokyo Dome.
0: Oh, they're great. I love New Japan World. I wish I could wake up just at four o'clock in the morning so I could watch it live instead of, you know, but again, I have a job and a life here in America, so I can't really do that. Whew, that would just be rough to have to do that. But moving on to everything else, let's pick some college football for this week for happier times hopefully the Big Ten again is getting going uh do we each do either of us have any other pick I mean I'm picking Ohio State to win the Big Ten I don't see anybody else really challenging them maybe Wisconsin depending on how things go but I just think they've got Penn State's number at this point so I've got Ohio State winning the Big Ten
1: yeah, I do too, man. Justin Fields is gonna have uh is gonna make his, his career year this year, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you're yeah, you know that. Ohio State's definitely gonna take it all. Yeah.
0: They're playing Nebraska to open the season, which is always interesting, especially Nebraska's athletic director. I think when the schedule came out, they just spent the whole time whining that they had to play both penn state and ohio state this year and it's like you've been playing in the big 10 west which has which been far weaker look at teams like michigan state who have to play guess what penn state michigan and ohio state every year it's like you don't hear tennessee fans complaining about the schedule every year so shut up nebraska you haven't done anything since 19 since 2001 when you got blown out of the national championship game
1: <laughs> right yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Anybody in the Big Ten that wants to complain about strength of schedule, I want them to call Sam Pittman at Arkansas.
0: It's n- yeah, no kidding, and he's done pretty well at this point at two and two. And again, yeah, I mean, Tennessee people always talk about how Tennessee hasn't been relevant pretty much since like two thousand and one, two thousand four, you could say, or even two thousand and seven, the last time they were at least in the SEC championship game. Yeah, Nebraska hasn't been relevant for even longer than that. So 20, yeah, twenty years. And, again, follow me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, and debate me on this. I got all day. But, again, how bad is Ohio State going to beat Nebraska? It's a 26-point line right now.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I think Ohio State beats them by 35. I think that's a generous <laughs> line.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see here. A couple of ranked matchups that you've got. We'll see how, again, you've added. I love how they just – had to change the complete complexion of the AP poll again now that the Big Ten is in action. So you're throwing Ohio State in there, you're throwing Penn State, you're throwing Michigan in there. Um, but you got another matchup. We talked about Mac Brown and North Carolina gagging it against Florida State. They're playing a ranked NC State team at home. UNC is a 17 point favorite. Do you think Mac Brown and the Tar Heels get back on track?
1: Uh, I do not, man. I, I definitely think you said it's a seventeen. It's a seventeen-point spread. No, go to the bank right now. What, do we do? <laughs> what are we talking about? Go to the bank. Take out all the money that they will let you give. Sell everything you own and bet it because North Carolina's not covering that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think you're right. Uh, meanwhile, over in the Big Twelve, which has been kind of quiet, really not lo- not a lot of Big Twelve action. Go. I, it seemed like the whole conference had a week off last week, um, but you've got Iowa State traveling to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and right now they're the only undefeated team left in the Big 12. Do you think they stay that way?
1: Uh, man, it's Gundy versus Purdy, uh, which is, in my opinion, the two best names in the Big 12. <laughs> uh, I, I do not. Man, I, I pick Iowa State to win that one outright. Uh, so take out two loans, okay? Uh, double down on that one, man. It's it, it's almost my game to stay away from, man. But uh, Oklahoma State, much like you know North Carolina and some of these other teams, every year that they've got this hype going into the season, Oklahoma State's very much like Auburn, in my opinion. They always have this hype going into the season. They win a few, a few early games, but it never lasts. Uh, I think this is where they fall off the wagon.
0: Yeah, this is another coin flip game to me. I don't want to bet it, but it it really wouldn't surprise me either way. It seems like whichever one I pick is going to be wrong based on how my picks have gone on coin flip games uh, in our Facebook pick'em game at this point. But I'm going to pick Iowa State, I think, with you. I'm going to ride with you on that one because, again, I, the way they were able to beat Oklahoma earlier this year, I just like what Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy have done there at Iowa State. Got another ranked uh, Big Ten matchup. You've got Michigan and Minnesota, which is where game day is going to be. Uh, you've got, again, rowing the boat there at Michigan versus, of course, Coach Khaki and the big uh, maze in blue there with the Wolverines. Michigan, a three and a half point favorite on the road. And I believe, again, I, I forgot if they said there's no crowds. I think in the Big Ten football games, I think at this point, and I think they're sticking to that right now.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I as far as I know, it's no crowd. Um, but man, I love I love to row the boat. I use the expression in my everyday life. Uh, I'm going to pick Minnesota to win that game.
0: Okay. Right now, I think I'm going to pick Michigan just because. Who knows? Again, with these, with the season starting, it could be just another crapshoot when it comes to a lot of these teams. But I'm going to go with Michigan, at least at this point. We'll see how it all shakes out. Shoot, in the next couple of days when I do my pick em stuff on Facebook, I might have changed my mind three times since then.
1: Well, you know how I feel about Michigan and Coach Harbaugh. I hope they he never wins another football game.
0: Meanwhile, you talk about another uh, ranked-ranked matchup. you got a good handful of them uh, this coming week. You've got Cincinnati and SMU. This has big New Year's Day six uh, bowl game implications. It's in uh, Dallas there with SMU. They are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, Cincinnati's had some COVID issues, so they've only played three games. SMU's played five. I'm going to go with Cincinnati uh, just on a gut feeling. But it would not surprise me if if SMU wins this game either.
1: Yeah, you with the COVID issues or, or is what's helping me make this pick. Um, I was gonna stay away from this game, but man, I, I think I think it's gonna be a foot race, and I, I don't think you can outrun the Mustangs, brother.
0: No, it's good to see SMU back making noise after. I mean, one of my favorite thirty for thirty documentaries was that Pony Excess when they talked about SMU getting the death penalty. Back in the 80s, my goodness. But it's good to have SMU with some respectability back uh, in the world of college football. Meanwhile, let's move and let's finish up this beautiful episode. Another one for the greatness archives in the world of podcasting. It's the third Saturday in October, technically being played on the fourth Saturday in October. But it's just, again... The great rivalry between Tennessee and Alabama. It's still the game I want to win the most every year. Growing up as a little kid with my dad being a Tennessee fan and knowing that, yes, I want to beat Florida really bad every year too, but God, I'm just, I hate Alabama so, so much. So again, it's that great rivalry. Tennessee has not won since 2006 when I was in grad school there at the University of Tennessee, The line has jumped and ballooned all the way up to a 20-point Alabama uh, is favored in this game. The matchup predictor has Tennessee with only a uh, 7.5% chance of winning the game. I just don't see—I can see Tennessee again, as it seems to be with Alabama. You can be competitive with them for a little bit, but I think Alabama is just going to—pardon the pun, but just roll over Tennessee— I've got them winning this game forty five to seventeen.
1: Yeah, Shibley, that is that's a very good pick. <laughs> Thank you. It, it makes so much sense. Yep. So now it's time to not. <laughs> Go at it. I think that uh, somehow some way. As long as Nick Saban has been, you know, coaching games against Tennessee and Neyland, I think that Saban is going to get lost on his way to the field. Uh, I think that uh, Mac Jones is going to be uh, have food poisoning, bless his soul. <laughs> uh, and I think that Eric Gray is going to run for two hundred yards. And Tennessee is going to
0: win this game 17-14. to Okay. I would love to see it. I'd It'd be interesting to watch those 20,000-plus people try and tear down the goalposts if that happens, but that would be amazing to see and good to just end the jinx that Alabama has over Tennessee and all of the Saban assistants that coach under him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Kiffin's takes where he said, uh we all come from the same father man i cannot wait till one of them gets in yeah i had so a- I've been watching uh greek mythology ancient aliens videos all day <laughs> uh, somebody eventually has got to, they got to Zeus him uh yep. they got they got to take down the titan eventually
0: yeah or you could talk about what cronus did to his dad uranus uh using a scythe to cut off his nuts that's a whole nother <laughs> issue
1: yeah, that's what I feel like every time uh, number two in orange and white walks on the field. So that's the <laughs> time.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to end this fine uh, podcast here. Trey, tell everybody where they can find you. And again, this podcast will come out in the morning. So don't you don't you have a, a show or something happening on Wednesday? Uh, I do, man. I will be in Chattanooga. Uh,
1: if you're listening to this early in the morning, uh, I'll be in Chattanooga tomorrow night down there at the Comedy Catch. Uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Trey Pack, T-R-E-P-A-C-K. You can find me on Instagram, at Trey Pack one Uh, and find me on Facebook, and you can find out from there where I'm going to be up on stage telling these jokes.
0: Yeah, the Comedy Catch, a great place down in Chattanooga. I have been down there. It's a great place to do comedy and give everybody the chuckles. So uh, looking forward to that. And again, you can find me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. And of course, you can look up the Man in the Arena podcast both on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a like there, post updates, all those good things. ...on all that, and of course, wherever you get your fine podcasts... ...please, like, subscribe, share. Those five-star reviews, we would love to have them. And also, of course, you can listen to myself, Trey... ...and a whole bunch of other people, including my wife, Mrs. Shibbles... ...on the Sagas and Shenanigans podcast. Uh, We've got our good friends Boston and and, uh, Ryan Shipley... ...and a host of other people on BRB AFK... ...which is their video game pop culture podcast. You've also got the Geeks and Hair to the Earth with Mike D and Cody CK and JC Ratliff and Jamie Skull on that one. So again, a bunch of other great podcasts to listen to from our good friends. There's no network involved in this. It's just sending it out to all of the good friends out there in the Knoxville podcasting world. So I think that wraps it up. What do you say, Trey?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, let's have a real good episode next week. What do you say?
0: I would love to do that. I I mean, if you're going to see the smile through the Zencaster recording – on my face whenever we record this podcast if Tennessee is somehow able to knock off Alabama. That would be great. I, If we
1: beat Alabama this week, I will use all that money I'm going to win on these these loans I'm taking out for these bets to buy the best cigar.
0: That would be great, yes. And again, if you light up cigars after beating Alabama, please... Use butane or matches. Don't use a Bic. It ruins the flavor of the cigar. The lighter fluid it just does not go well with the tobacco. Oh, and one other thing, uh, by the way, Dixieland Delight that all the Alabama fans love to play is a song about Tennessee. I don't know why it's so hard for them to figure that out, except that they go to Alabama. So there's your answer right there. <laughs> but anyway, on that note, too sweet. Love you guys. See you next week.